So uh, let me add a couple thoughts to the wonderful opportunity that we have over at Wilkinson Elementary, just a couple blocks away from here. Um, I had the chance to uh, celebrate with them Thanksgiving uh, this past week and uh, had the opportunity to watch some of our mentors uh, work with some of our children. And you know, I tell you, a half hour of reading with a child a week goes a long ways and makes quite a difference. And I got to see that in the relationship these children have with these mentors. So if you have the gift of reading, if you know how to read, uh, you are a candidate for this, uh, for this great ministry as we uh, seek to make a difference uh, and accomplish this vision or perhaps even adopting a whole first grade uh, on behalf of uh, the church, on behalf of Jesus as we seek to love God and love neighbor. Our scripture lesson today is from John chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who's got five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks. He distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they had filled 12 baskets and when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Our second lesson is from the gospel according to Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. And the land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very your life, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray that you will allow these words to come, O God, to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. Let the little children come to me, Jesus said, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. I'm not sure how old they were, the two sisters, Catherine and Isabel, when they learned the art of origami. You know what origami is, it's on the front of your bulletin. It's the art of folding paper into sculptures of objects and animals and symbols and just about anything else that comes to the sculptor's mind. But it was probably around the age of four or five when Catherine and Isabel Adams began learning origami from their father and they got to be very good at it. They had a gift. They loved to sculpt all sorts of amazing figures for people to enjoy. Sometime during their early origami years, the two girls came to learn also about the lives of other young girls their age around the world for whom the luxury of origami was beyond a dream. In particular, they had learned about girls their age around the world who not only couldn't dream of origami, but also couldn't dream of even going to school. A basic education was out of the question for these millions of young women in the world because their time was needed each day, every day, to travel to water sources to collect clean drinking water on behalf of their families or their villages. There were tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of young women who had to give up the right of an education because their families did not possess the luxury of clean drinking water. And as enlivening as it was to learn origami, it was quite despairing to learn of the plight of millions of their fellow sisters. Who knows how the idea came to them that maybe the one learning could have some connection to the other learning. What might origami have to do with water? And then came the answer. How about making origami Christmas ornaments, making them available for donations, and then giving the proceeds to water well projects throughout the world? Nice little childlike idea. Cute, we might say, a little origami ornament for those who might want to give a donation and maybe they could raise a couple hundred dollars and then they could fund, you know, maybe, you know, one little well and that's all well and good. So cute, not so fast. On their first attempt, seven years ago, at the beginning of the holiday season, they took their first batch of creations to the local Starbucks and asked for donations. By the end of the evening, they had collected $800. By the end of the holiday season, they had received $10,000. Seven years later, today, Catherine and Isabel are leading a major nonprofit empire. It's called Paper for Water. And they have mobilized origami artists from around the world to donate proceeds of some of their creations and so far have raised over $1.5 million and have funded the development of hundreds of wells around the world. Let the little children come unto me, Jesus said, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. 
Maybe it's what Jesus had in mind when John tells us the story about the time when Jesus and the disciples were out in the middle of nowhere, and they had been followed by this throng of people, thousands of people, and the sun is setting, and the time is fast arriving for everyone to get something to eat, but, but they're in the middle of nowhere, as I said, so the question of food is a daunting question. 5,000 hungry souls is a daunting question, kind of like a couple hundred million girls without water or education. So is it a surprise that it's a little boy who tugs on the robe of one of the disciples, Andrew, and wonders if maybe his origami might help? His origami in the form of five loaves and two fish. Well, isn't that cute? You can imagine the disciples saying, five loaves and two fish. Isn't that sweet? As they tussle the little boy's hair. Can you do something with my dinner, he asked. Thank God the question got to Jesus before the committee of adult men took a vote because we know where that vote would have gone. Don't waste your dinner, kid. But Jesus hears the question and says, let the little boy come unto me, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is in the practice of imagination. And the little boy is imagining that if he gives over what he has to help these hungry people, then maybe, just maybe, that might make a difference. And Jesus joins him in his imagination and, and lifts the bread and fish up to heaven and says, Father, join us in the imagination. Join us in the imagination of this little boy. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to this little boy. Let, let's see what we can do with these origami. And God knows how it happened, but the imagination of a little boy turns into dinner for the masses. Let the little children come unto me, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's the lesson Jesus teaches over and over and over again throughout the New Testament that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the childlike spirit because it is the childlike spirit that is still young enough to imagine. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who can imagine. Moral imagination is what the great British statesman Edmund Burke called it. Moral imagination, the ability to imagine a better, a kinder, a grace-filled world. Moral imagination. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who can morally imagine a better world. The kingdom of heaven belongs to people who look at what they have, look at what they've been given, the origami of their life, the loaves and fish of their life, and begin to imagine what might be done to put food into people's mouths, water into people's wells, what might be done to make the world into a little better place. Moral imagination. Moral imagination is not for the adult brain. It's hard to morally imagine with the adult brain because the adult brain has this remarkable ability to logically deduce how things will not work. Origami does not raise $1.5 million. Five loaves and two fish does not feed 5,000 people. And why waste it anyway when it doesn't make any difference? That's the way the adult brain works. I should know I have one of them. 
though some may question that after yesterday. The adult brain ends up coming to Jesus, like the guy that Luke tells us about, who comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, tell my brother to give me what's mine. Tell my brother I want my fair share. Tell my brother he owes me because I can't stand the idea that he's going to get more than me because the guy who dies for the most toys wins. And Jesus says, Aha, there's that adult brain again. Let me tell you about the adult brain, Jesus says. It's like the guy who had a bumper crop, bumper crop, such a bumper crop, he didn't even have enough barns to store it in. So what's the adult brain do, Jesus asks. Does it, does it, does it start a food pantry? No. Does it, does it teach farming techniques, techniques to other people? No. Does it you know, sell the excess and start a school for young women? No. Build bigger barns, of course. That's what the adult brain does. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Doesn't take an accountant to figure that out. Doesn't take a Harvard MBA to figure that out. And Jesus says, there you go. You see, it's the adult brain at work again. The kingdom of heaven doesn't belong there. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the morally imaginative, not the morally accusative, not the morally adjudicative, not the morally superior, the morally imaginative. Those who look at what they have, the origami of their lives, and wonder, what can be done with this for a hurting world? I have a friend who spent his working career in the pharmaceutical industry, worked hard, did well for himself, but he had, along the way, this other piece of his life. He played the piano. He was a very good piano player. It just sort of came naturally for him. And to balance out the stress of his work, he'd come home in the evenings, and he would just sit down in front of his piano and just play. And then one day, he looked at this gift he had, and he looked down the street at the rather large Veterans Administration Hospital in town, occupied largely by victims of prior wars, many PTSD patients. And he looked at his hands, and he looked at these patients, and he began to morally imagine what would happen if he took his hands and gave them to these patients. What would happen if he would drive over on Saturday to the VA hospital and sit down at the piano and just play music that he could imagine them wanting to hear. And that's what he did every Saturday. Two hours at a clip, played music for the patients. Did it make any difference? Well, of course. I remember years ago when I was in seminary going to dinner in the cafeteria and by chance sitting down next to an older man who introduced himself as a retired college president and former Presbyterian pastor. He was there at the seminary to speak about something and as we got to talking it so happened that he had known my father so that led into a long conversation about a lot of things. And at the end of the dinner he handed me his card. His card said Joe McCabe. And he said that if I ever needed anything at all that I should come to him. And he said it kind of like he meant it. 
much of what we talked about stuck with me such that long after I lost his card, I remembered his name. And then about 10 years later, I saw his name in the paper, Joe McCabe. Joe McCabe had decided that the 12 years he had spent as the president of Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, had been the greatest gift he had ever received. And that he was so thankful for this time that he had being president of this college. It got his moral imagination going and he came up with the idea that because he had been fortunate enough to invest his money wisely, why wouldn't he just give back to the college what they had given to him? So that's what he did. He added up all the money he had received in salary during his tenure between 1958 and 1970, and he gave it all back, all $458,616. Just gave it back to ensure that future students could afford to enjoy the same school that had given him so much. Moral imagination taking what you have, what you've been given, and imagining what may, might be done to make a difference in the world. There's a little children's message I used to share with kids during the children's moment, like the one we typically have here in our service. And what I would do is I would bring forward a big bag of quarters, and I would say to them that God had a deal that he wanted to make with them. And then I would count out quarters. And as I counted out quarters, I would say, you know, for every nine quarters that God wants, God wants us to have, he wants one quarter to go to somebody else. And I would just keep doing this. And I would be count out nine quarters and pile up nine quarters. And then I would put one quarter in the other pile. Nine quarters, one quarter. Nine quarters, one quarter. Got done, big pile. For us, a little pile for them. I said, that's a tithe. That's what God asks us to do. Give one-tenth of what we have away, but we get to keep nine-tenths. And then I said, what do you think about that deal? And the kids said, yes! <laughs> yes! What a deal! And then I'd say, you know, there's some adults who don't think that's a great deal. They think that God's asking too much. Incredulous would be their expression. And I was happy not to be present later at lunch when they talked about it with mom and dad. <laughs> now, I don't know what you got. I know you got something. We've all got a pile, right? We've all got a pile. Each of us has a pile of gifts that we were born with, gifts that we acquired along the way, gifts we worked very hard for, but they're all gifts. Some can fold paper, some can stroke a key, some can sing a tune, some can read to a little child, some can make money, some can invest money and make even more money. Some can knit sweaters. Some can cook a meal. Some can offer a listening ear. Some can tell an inspiring story. I don't know what you got, but I know you got something. And along with it all, we have these adult brains and these children's hearts. And the adult brain says, bigger piles, bigger barns. But the kingdom belongs not to these. The kingdom belongs to those who dream. 
those who imagine, those who believe that somehow these loaves and fish, these origami, might just feed a crowd. Maybe all this is what Edmund Burke, he of the moral imagination, maybe all this is what Edmund Burke had in mind when he said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. For God's sake, let's not prove him right for lack of imagination. 